Grandpa Gundam style, everybody, and welcome back to Wow Cool Robot. I almost said a podcast most foul. Whoops! <laughs> it's it's a hostile takeover from within. <laughs> Your three episode long plan has come to fruition. You can't see it, but I am putting my pinky up to my mouth and uh, scowling Ooh, evilly. Little evil and twisted. Who are you, Doctor Evil? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to podcast with my friend Jake today, but I've been coaxed into a snafu instead. Yes, now you must pay me $1,000. I only have gold bars, is that okay? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Ah, cool, great. Is there a briefcase full of them? Yeah, yeah. How else am I going to carry them around? They don't fit in a wallet. <laughs> um, That's Jake. I'm Max. We're here to talk more about Gundam. You know what it is. It's Double Zeta. And can I say, these episodes, really, really good. Oh, they were fun. We finally, like, escaped the colony. I'm very, very pleased about it. We're in space. And, like, next week I know it's going to pop off. I know we're going to see our new boy next week. But until then, just, like, we're, it's it's the build-up. It's the build-up. And I'm glad that I just, oh, I want to see him. We I, I, We've seen, like, a third of the boy this week so far, actually. Oh, yeah, that is true. Yeah, we seen we seen uh, our, our our friend's uh, jet fighter. It's a normal jet fighter. It's a civilian craft. Um, well, we don't we don't need to talk anymore about what's going on in the episodes because we can talk about the actual episodes themselves. Um, all right, starting us off this week, Jake. Episode seven: The Gaza Storm. The Indra has landed inside Colony Ten, preparing for battle with the Argama. Pampa, one of the pilots inside the ship, begs Mashmer to allow him and his squad to personally fight the Zeta. Mashmer allows this, and the Gaza Storm team sorties. Meanwhile, Judah and some of the gang are traveling to contact the junk dealer's union so they can open up an unused industrial hatch so the Argument can sneak out of the colony. They are found by Gamon, who holds Judah hostage. As this happens, the Gaza Storm team attacks the Argama, so Fa sorties in the Zeta and Torres sorties in the Methus. The team tries to fight as honorably as possible, announcing this to the colony residents. Until Bicha and Mondo fire on one of the Gazas, prompting them into an all-out battle. Back to the junkyard, Judao is saved by Rue Luca, a representative of Lavi and Rose. She and Judao end up joining the battle, and they eventually send the Gaza Storm team out into space, winning the day. Good episode. Good episode. I love that that the Xeon ship is just like being pushed into like more and more uncomfortable situations for them because of like. A, a junkyard kid who doesn't go to school. <laughs> and Mashmer slowly dwindling patience. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, at this point, he's like pretty much out of it. Oh, I don't know. I feel like it comes and goes. It, it ebbs and flows with the tide. Um, But I, I oh, oh, good episode. So yeah, this one starts out. Um, let me actually pull my notes up so I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, So the Andrew is like inside the colony right now. It, it's inside the main like tube of it. It's, like, basically parked on top of a city. And their current plan is to... Or I guess we see we see Gotten talking, right? He's, like, leading this sort of um, uh, briefing room. And he's saying, the Argama has nowhere to go but, like, the hatch behind us. Like, you know, they're stuck in the junkyard right now, but they have to basically traverse the entire length of the colony to get here. So we're going to hang out here, and we're going to wait for them to pass by, and we're just going to, like, you know, take pot shots at them because there's really nothing they can do. But Mashmir does not like this plan. Uh, yeah, he is <clears throat> he is overweighting. He wants to bring the fight to the Argama, and he even says that, hey, we can use the main cannons. 
Yeah, we've I've been waiting to use my big guns the entire time. I'm tired of being nice to this stupid colony. I want to shoot some guns. <laughs> and Gotten's like, yo, dude, no, that's going to break the colony. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Mashmere does one of his first problematic things, and he says, well, might makes right, so we should be allowed to shoot them. It's like, no, Mashmere, no. It's like only episode seven. You can't be saying stuff like this so early. <laughs> and Gotten kind of has this weird look on his face, and I was like, dude, all you would have to say is, like, Lady Haman wouldn't approve. Yeah! It's weird that, like, he didn't really get a Lady Haman flashback right now. I guess he doesn't really need it, right? Because our friend, uh, our friend Pampa, Pampa, however you want to say it, he, like, stands up. He starts, like, sobbing immediately. He, this guy is begging for a chance to, like, fly out and take down the Zeta himself. He's like, I must avenge my fallen comrades. Commander, Commander Mashmere, can I, can I, can I please take down the Zeta? And then, like, and Mashmere's like, yeah, okay. He's like, oh, cool, thanks, bye. He's normal <laughs> after that. He is, he is a true knight, is what Mashmere says. He is like the the chivalrous ideal that we all must aspire to be. <laughs> he's, a little, he's a little baby. Everyone's a baby on this stupid ship. <laughs> And speaking of babies, we cut over to the junkyard. We see Gamon, who is, like, searching for Judah and the gang, still wearing his normal suit, his pink with a giant yellow G stitched into it normal suit. I don't think he owns other clothes, actually. Probably not. And honestly... Probably not. Honestly, when you look that fly, who needs more clothes? Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, man, I want to see what's under the normal suit, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> um, and and Judah, I think it's right now it's Judah and Lena and Eno and the two orphans and they are um they're like searching the junkyard they're making their way to the junk dealers union because those people are like the ones who are able to open the hatches on the colony and they're going to be the ones who are you know supposedly going to be able to open the industrial hatches right next to the argamo so they can escape without having to you know fly over the entire city and have everything be subsequently destroyed in the battle you know i'd like to avoid that such a situation if possible and judah's like Nah, they actually kind of want us to fight, so that way they can uh, they can get the scrap metal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like <laughs> L- Lena's on team. Let's let's come to converse with them. And Judah's like, no, they're just gonna take advantage of us. And you're like, yeah, they're all like that guy Gemon. They all suck. And of course, Gemon hears this and he like starts chasing them off because he has clearly nothing better to do with his day than like attack a bunch of kids. Absolutely. I mean, they are his sworn mortal enemies. That's true. Yeah. I mean, like I said. The rivalry, the rivalry between Camille and Jared in Zeta Gundam is greater than the rivalry between Amaru and Shar in, in 0079. But the rivalry between Judao and Gemon is like on a whole other level of both of those two. <laughs> By the way, so I noticed this. We had this conversation in Discord a couple weeks ago of the proper way to pronounce Judao Ashta. And looking at the name, you would think Judao. Like if, if you're going like purely Japanese, Judao. But I listening, I like paying close attention his name is Judo. Like, if you listen to how they say it in the show, and even the um, even the katakana that his name is spelled in, it's Judo. Huh, okay. So, I guess... I, I, I honestly think... I, I can condition myself to say Judo because that'll make it easier for me when I do my Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast because that's, <laughs> J- Judo and Judai are more similar than Judo and Judai. Yeah. You know, you got a whole, you got a whole different vowels, so I'm going to try Judo... Judo Ashta. Yeah, Judo Ashta still sounds nice. And if you say it fast enough, no one can even tell. And honestly, Judo Ashta is easier to say than Judo Ashta. 
I don't know why, but that that ow the ow yeah, it's the ow 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 grape lady noise. Um, (laughs) Also, it's weird that he's the one who's called judo, and Camille's the only Camille's the new type who knows how to do judo. So maybe this guy should be Camille. Who who can possibly say? (laughs) Maybe that's what happened when when Camille uh, grabbed his hand and showed him how to do space. He also showed him how to do judo, so he can live up to his name fully. (laughs) There we go. There we go. Um, he's like, I'll give you the soup and I'll give you the kung fu. (laughs) <laughs> the two ingredients a new type needs to fight <laughs> so Gamon's chasing them through the junkyard we cut over Mashmir sends uh, the, the trio of pilots off in their Gaza D's so oh wait hold on oh, Gaza D's nuts uh... I, I said it and I realized I had to say more I had to speak more on the topic so in Zeta we saw the Gaza C's they were like this nice two tone pink it was like almost like a purple and pink these are blue and pink, so the purple turns to blue, so it's like a little bit more um, like a harsh sort of color scheme. It doesn't look quite as like flowy, but they have these really cool flight packs on the back that I think make them look a lot cooler than the Gaza Seas. Like, they have less of a weird, like, ambiguously shaped body, I think. I dig the Gaza Ds. I think they're, they're just funky little dudes, I think. Yeah, I thought they were alright. They weren't my favorite suits ever, but I didn't, like, have a visceral hatred reaction. Yeah, I, I didn't look at these, and I yeah, I, I didn't like, look yeah, at these. They're cool. They, yeah, you know, they're they're simply fine. And the Gaza Storm team, we have Pompa, who we met before. We have Wyme, and we have Vion. Pompa, Wyme, and Vion. I'm sure if like so, just based on how weird their names sound, I feel like there's gonna be like some sort of wordplay going on here, or like you know, some reference. So if anyone knows, let me know so we can we can talk about it next week of like what their names mean because we're not going to be talking about them otherwise after this week. Um, <laughs> but they, the most important thing the Gaza Ds do is, for all I care, they are for all intents and purposes the exact same as the Gaza C, except they have a blue angel's ass smoke emitter on the butt of it. <laughs> yep. Because they basically like they do sky art. They they fly in this very intricate formation. On, uh, above the Endra and make a rose and then like the smoke turns green as they make the stem and they fly off and it's like the mo- the sickest thing in the world Mashi is almost in tears it was yeah, he really glorious is. let your winds blow gloriously on full blast <laughs> and then uh, then we cut over to the Argama and mm-hmm. the crew is uh, loading up some some supplies they've got vegetable, they've got tomato they've got potato they've got beef and they've got Bondi. And they've, thank you. I'm so glad you noticed the Bondi because they, they, it, it's it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You have up top, you have vegetable, then tomato, then potato, then beef. And all the way at the bottom, the big base of the pyramid is Gunpla. <laughs> I was like, Ey. It's just, I love that, like, it, it's, it, you know, part of it's like hail corporate, but part of it's like also very funny. That, like, they just put the company's name diegetically in in the show itself. It's like the, the the double Zeta Bondi box walked so the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 4 Diamond is Unbreakable Pepsi sign could run. <laughs> I was going to say, it's kind of like, uh, have you watched God of High School? Uh, no, I try not to think about high school. It's a uh, Crunchyroll original anime, and mm-hmm. uh, they're like, you know, uh, it's like a martial arts tournament. Yeah, and sure. on the uh, side of the ring where they would have like the advertisements or the sponsors, it just mm-hmm. says Crunchyroll. Oh, that's good. I love that. <laughs> It, it, it's similar, um, I play a lot of racing games, and Dirt 5 is the one I've been playing the most recently, and, like, th- that game has an absolutely absurd amount of sponsors in it. Like, when you put, 
when you put stickers on your car, you can like basically pick any sponsor and put on your car and like half of it's like, yeah, it's advertising, but also half it's like, it makes sense, I guess, because, you know, race cars are like that in real life, but it's still very, very funny. Like the, like the mixture of sponsors you can put on your car. Cause like I can put an AMD sticker on my like Ford rally car in that game, which is like not what you'd expect like yeah, let's like see what a graphics card company can do to um <laughs> to advertise on my fun race car, and also I'll put like a window sticker on it. Like you get a lot. It's very very fun and wacky. <laughs> That's and, like, fantastic. Yeah, again, you know, it's hail corporate, but it's just like to the point where it's absurd and funny, and it's not going to make me like you know, at- Bondi itself doesn't need to advertise to me. I think I've spent quite enough money with them as it is, and I will continue to do so. So I don't need any more advertisement. Send yeah. me products, Bondi. I will gladly, I will gladly become a shill if you send me some more gunpla. Um, this, <laughs> this is a promise and a threat. Um, and yeah, like a couple of the livestock boxes break open, and like a chicken's flying around. I think Bright accidentally attacked a cucko, and it's just like in Zelda, where you know it, it's chasing after him. He's being accosted. It's funny. I like Bright in these Looney Tunes-ass situations. Beach and Mondo are just, like, leaning against uh, the Bondi box, and he yells mm-hmm. at them to help out. And then Beach looks over at Mondo, and he goes, what should we do? And he just goes, eh, it beats me. And they, <laughs> then they do nothing. Something. They do nothing. They're a bunch of stinkers in these episodes. <laughs> I hope they get their comeuppance. I hope they get some sense knocked into them. Because as, as much as I want to give them credit for not really helping the, like, military organization they've essentially been drafted into it's also like well you might as well do it to save some lives so yeah like their friends are also drafted into this and uh you want to help out your friends yeah exactly like yeah i know you want to go home but also maybe like don't go home by having your friends be killed in glorious combat just a thought just a thought so while they're uh running around gathering chickens and other animals and, and, and pigs importantly uh, there there's some pigs that break free because the pigs are a plot point throughout the entire set of episodes we've watched <laughs> um <laughs> i forgot about pigs. Yeah. um but while they're gathering all the animals an alarm goes off <laughs> enemies are approaching oh, no. they're approaching and they're holding hands it's very cute We're, we are three for three on Gundam series where the robots fly information to hold hands at the same time. I hope it happens in every single one. Actually, I don't think it ever happens in IBO. Very, very sad. We're serious. That's it's just by default. <laughs> That's the only criteria. I mean, people do uh, bone down inside the cockpit of the Gundam, so I think that that's the forgiveness. Oh, hey, hey, hey. Um. So yeah, they, they're they're flying in. Um. Bright is like. Br- says something good for once because he tells Fa to get into Zeta and of all people he tells Taurus to get in the Methus. Taurus is like what? Me? Are you sure? <laughs> am I really the most qual? Like half of it's like excitement half of it's like incredulity because I feel like he's like am I really the most qualified person to get in that right now? I mean I guess he is. So you know who can blame him but um we cut over we see Gemon chasing the kids again and like Coom falls so Judo has to like run back and help her. And, of course, he runs up to Gemon, who's caught up, and he, like, does, like, the punch-out-ass, like, King Hippo punching the belly of Gemon, and, like, it just does nothing to him. He has, the uh, he has like, the uh, manhole cover that he gets when he fights him the second time in that game. <laughs> um, and then he, like, straight up grabs a steel bar and, like, holds it to Judah's neck, and he's like, uh, nobody move or I'm gonna break this kid's neck. D- not, not a good look, Gemon, I don't think. And then we cut away. Yeah, we're just leafing on a cliffhanger. Very, very scary. I hope he's okay. <laughs> Oh no, I'm worried about oh, him. Oh no, ah, beans. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. 
Next, I just have Justice for Fa in all caps because we get to see her rolling out in the Zeta. I, I applauded and I clapped like a train seal because I love Fa and I love seeing her actually get to do things. And also on her way to the Zeta, she shoves Bicha and Mondo out of her way. And I thought that was nice. It's girl power. Yeah. She's simply allowed to do it. Hell yeah. Yeah. So they're out. Everyone's out there. Wyme wants to fight Zeta one-on-one fairly while the locals watch. So essentially it's like Wyme and Vion are fighting the Zeta and the Mephis respectively. And uh, Pompa has landed in like, you know, inside the actual town with a megaphone. Basically, like, doing propaganda, telling them how, you know, Zeon is good and fair. We're fighting one-on-one. We're going to limit damage to the colony. Like, you should basically be on our side. Which is, like, I guess effective enough propaganda because these people in the colony have been, like, you know... The colony's been, like, having random-ass explosions for the last, like, week or so. So I feel like they might appreciate this gesture a little bit. Yeah, and um, he also kind of talks about how, like, the uh, the Argama is cowardly and... They're sneaking around. They snuck in here. And we're mm-hmm. we're being bold and honest with you. Yeah, like, yeah, Argama's sneaking around. And, like, it's the Argama's fault that all these explosions are happening because they're the ones who are, like, you know, the source of the problems. So, it, I, and we don't really see it working on the crowd at all. But, like, I guess it's kind of assumed because they're not really, like, important. Like, the people watching this, I guess. Yeah, of course, they're having trouble. Uh, Fa and, and Torres are because, like... We, we we see um Vion is like keeps on trying to like fight from behind and Wyman's like no we have to f- we have to f- fight fairly we can't be dishonorable and it's like oh God, whatever dude <laughs> <laughs> and at one point um Vion grapples Taurus and um he's like hey isn't it don't yeah. you have to fight me from from the front and so he like flips him around but he's still grappling him yeah is this any better <laughs> he's like it's this good. he goes this is for Conte he was like my little brother. And uh, yeah. Taurus knows nothing about that, and neither do I, because I do not recognize that name. Okay, so what I th- I think, let's see, based on what we see later with Yazan and the Zeta, I think that Conte is, because we ha- I don't think any Zeon true, hmm, Conte, okay, Conte was either one of the Gazas that flew alongside um, uh, Mashmer when he was in the Zissa last week and was killed, or I feel like what's more likely, because, you know, like, why would two brothers be, you know, end up being stationed on the same ship? I like to imagine that, like, earlier in the Grips conflict, Conte was, like, a, an Axis soldier who was killed by the Methus. And so they just see the Methus oh, and they no. assume it's the same pilot all the time, right? I like that. Because we, we get the same thing with Yuzan and the Zeta later, so I feel like that's, like, you know, people don't know the pilot. People only know the mobile suit, so they just assume that, like, you know... For the, the cool prototype suits like the Methods, there's only going to be one pilot because there's only going to be one of those mobile suits. So it's like, makes sense to basically put all that blame on them because they're not going to like, you know, know who's on the inside. I feel like that's kind of like, you know, a good read on the situation. I like that. I like that idea. Let me, let me, let me tell you, name does not show up on the Gundam wiki, so I have no idea who that is. So. <laughs> I, I figured he was probably one of the Gazas that uh, Judo fought, but uh, I like your I like your theory better. Yeah. Yeah, you know, who... Either or, it doesn't really matter because again, they're I don't know they're not gonna make it out of this one. <laughs> um, Bright decides to launch the Argama as a distraction in battle because you know they're not doing so hot. It's essentially three on one, even though one of them's not fighting. Astonage, in a stroke of genius, puts Beecha and Mondo in charge of the turrets. Tweedledee and Tweedledum are in charge of like the big guns that can blow up a colony. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the first thing they ask him is, "Can we cut loose?" Yeah, yo, can, can, can we shoot like a mad homie? 
And he's like, listen, <laughs> listen here, young man. I'm speaking directly into your ears. Turn on the power regulators right now. You will blow a hole in this entire space station if you don't. And they're like, okay, we're going we're gonna to slack off. Bye. And, and as soon as he leaves, he's like, they're like, where is that anyways? The regulator? What? Yeah. I don't know and, what and that is. The f- and of course, the first thing to do when they leave, when he leaves, is like they shoot at the uh, the Gaza D that's parked uh, by behind yeah, beside Pompa, and it hits like behind it, but it knocks it down, and like it's a big ass explosion. And Asanaje is like, "You dumbasses!" And of course, Pompa freaks out. He's like, "If if that's how it's gonna be, I'll fight them, even if it means destroying the colony. It's their fault." He basically is like, "Okay, you know all that propaganda I said? Forget it. If anyone gets hurt or the colony gets destroyed, it's the Argama's fault. I'm gonna go kill a kid." Bye. <laughs> it's like, bro, your ideology. <laughs> it was very. It was paper thin. Next, we go to uh, Gamon. He's choking out Judo again when uh, somebody somebody new shows up and uh, sneaks in behind him. She's got her sure her own big old metal pipe, and she just fucking brains the dude. Just bonk. This is, so we don't know much about her right now. She, all we know is that she is from the La Vieros. She wants to find the Argama. She is uh, has long gray hair. She has a cool blue normal suit with like a shooting star embroidered onto it. And her name is Ruluka. I like Ruluka. I think that she is great. She's great. I, 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 I posted in the Discord earlier how I was like, I, I just said, attention everyone, Ruluka, that is all. And I was like, I'm worried that, you know, she. I, I looked it up. She's 18, so that's good, I guess. You know, not a teenager being embroiled in battle. And I was like, I can't wait for the show to treat her poorly. And our, our dear friend Colin, uh, host of Zeta, they said that for what it's worth, she's treated fine. And I'm like, okay, I'll take it. Because I really, Ruluka's cool. I like her a lot. She seems really fun. She does. And uh, hmm, her being 18. That, that's the thing. It's bad either way, I think. Uh, I got some, like, vibes that they were going to try to ship her in judo, and I don't like that. Oh, I've, I am I am very, very heavily picking up on that, too. Ugh. It's it, it's something... I, I do not see it. I, I condemn it. I pretend it is not happening. I mean, thankfully, we're not at that point where you have to address it as of yet, so yep. it's fine. Um, But more <laughs> importantly, she is flying a tricolor core fighter, and it looks suspiciously similar to the chest of the Zeta, where you can definitely see the two yellow vents and the red sort of hatch that goes over the cockpit when it's all folded up. I wonder what this could possibly be. I I got so excited when I saw it. I was just like, ah, core fighter. Ah, I haven't seen one of those in forever. I know. God, I'm so I'm so ex- I'm so excited for 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 Big Boy to come next week. Ah. <laughs> anyway, um, and she flies off. She tries to find the Argama, right? Judao and the gang are like, they get back in a flatbed and they drive off to find the Argama because at this point the battle's going on. Everyone knows it. And she's flying around looking for it. And she ends up seeing like one of the Gazas, um, like putting Zeta on the ground, like in a hold. And she's like, oh, why does my first glimpse of it have to be at getting beaten? How revolting. And I'm like, yeah, I agree. There's not very well cool robot of the Zeta for it to like not be winning every single battle. Like Ruluka is cool. I love her so much. <laughs> Next, um, Pompa jumps into the fight between the Zeta, the Zeta and Wyme. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then we cut to Vian and Taurus fighting, and he rips the fucking Methus in half. The legs just pop right off. It's so sick. So like, I, I, like, like, it, he really just like squeezes it in half, and like, 
as this happens, I because the meth is the way it transforms. I think it has like when it's transformed, it looks like a dart, right? It has like the long middle section. And it has like sort of like four thrusters, like two on each side. So I think that two thrusters are near the top and two are like near the legs when it's transformed. No, yeah, that, that's how it is. It's like t- the legs are two of the thrusters. So it makes sense that it can fly off with only the upper half. But yeah, like it literally like squeezes it. So the bottom half pops off and like Taurus has to fly off and only the upper half. But like, look, more legless robots. Bring the Xeong back. I love to see it. It's oh, pretty yes. cool. And um. It's fine. Like, you know, uh, Rue flies in. She, like, gives him backup as he as he floats away. And as this happens, as the two uh, Gazas are together, like, after Rue sort of, like, buzzes them, Judao in the flatbed truck drifts into the foot of one of them. And I guess that dislodges, like, the, the, the junk stone underneath them. And the two Gaza Ds, like, fall down. Like, homie can do this with a truck? I don't think so, man. He's the best pilot in the world. It's it's Colony 10 Drift, Fast and Furious. I love to see it. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so so, so Judah finally gets in the Zeta to back up Rue, because, like, Faw's out. She's like, whatever, dude, go for it. She tosses him the helmet. And the very first thing he does is fall into yet another junk hole. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, hey, the pitfall. I don't know if it's the same. It'd be really funny if it was the same. Well, no, I guess it wouldn't be the same pitfall. They would have to, like, fill it back in and set it up again. Maybe they did. I think it's funnier if they like took the same pitfall and it's like, let's do it again just in case. He, he doesn't get blown out into space. He's in like just like a pit, but like it's just very funny that it, you know, if if I had a nickel for every time the Zeta Gundam fell into a colony ten junk pit, I would have ten cents. But it's just weird that it happened twice. <laughs> Beach and Mondo, we see him at the, at the helm again. Uh, Mondo makes sure the energy regulator is active, and they fire on one of the Gaza Ds that's chasing Rue down and it hits. But doesn't do a whole lot because the regulator's on. It's just like kind of smokes a little bit and like gets blown off course. Yeah, it was kind of underwhelming. Yeah, better. I mean, better that than you know, blow a hole in the colony. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, <laughs> so um, Judo's hiding, and Pampa is like, uh, "Yeah, let's just smoke him out," and starts firing missiles all willy nilly, and mm-hmm. uh, breaches the colony wall. Yeah, yeah, and it's not great. And of course, Judah's freaking out, but he, fi- he he's like messing with the controls and he like figures out how to uh, activate the silly string contained within the knuckle. <laughs> you know, he pops down the finger and he sprays the hole shut. And so at this point, all three Gazas are together now. It's like those three against Rue in the core fighter and Judah in the Zeta. And they figure out how to do, or they figure out, they do their Gaza storm formation, which essentially is just spinning around, spraying smoke everywhere to disguise themselves and attack. Uh, it don't work, though. <laughs> yeah, they, they quickly realize that, oh, hey, wait a second. We can't see through this either. It's Shit. so funny. I love that. <laughs> like, they've never... I've, I, I really, really like to imagine that the Gaza Storm formation was just... it was It's a brand new, brand new, like, you know, regiment. The only thing they ever practiced was the Rose... In actual battle, they're like, uh, we might as well do the smoke again, and it just never works. I love it. It's... it's uh, <laughs> Comedy of errors. And uh, so they say, hey, you know what? If we just start shooting, eventually some- we'll hit something. Yeah, v- good tactic. Very good idea inside a colony. <laughs> yeah. And, like, you know, they can't use their radar because the Minovsky particles are so dense inside there. And, like, Rue and Judah have no idea what to do. Like, they're like, uh, this isn't good. We can't really hit them either. And Rue figures out a bright idea. She's like, Colony 10, forgive me! And she fires a bunch of missiles into one spot. And this is actually a really smart idea because, of course, she blows a hole in the colony, which the vacuum sucks out all the smoke. And now, uh, without any smoke, Judo, Judo uh, quickly finds and chops Vian in half. 
and he gets sucked right out the hole. One's gone. And then uh, Wyme comes running in for revenge, and Judo hits them with missiles and whoop right out the hole. Two down. And then Pompa comes flying in with his sword, and Judo literally punches his head off and whoop right in the hole. Three, three, three down. Triple kill. It was... Ah, chef's kiss. I loved that. It was so sick. Like, I, oh, every time it happens, I'm like, no, I must contain myself. I can't be excited for the kid to be a killer. But also, he just did, like, a sickle triple kill on the Gazas without, like, any equipment, really. Like, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. He punched his fucking head off, man. He punched his head off. It's always sick, no matter what happens. (laughs) Who does it? It's great. Um, Mashmer gets the news, and he's like, oh, Okay, this 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 sucks. Are, are, clearly, we don't know enough about the Zeta Gundam to attack it. We have to abort this launch. We gotta like go back and chill. And we see Drew and Judo fixing the hole. They're you know using the silly string. They're spraying it again. I'm not calling it what I called it in Zeta because this is a more lighthearted tone. It's no it's no longer. Um, I I probably just called it cum honestly in, in Zeta. <laughs> so it's it's silly string now because this is a show for kids. It's not anime anymore. Um. And once again, after they get back to the uh, after they get back to the Argama, Bright asks Judo if he can go get the industrial hatch open. So he takes his gang and Rue, and he rolls out to basically go once again talk to the Junk Traders Union. And then we get my favorite line of like all of these weeks episodes because Rue leans over to Judo and she's like, "Hey, is the guy like bash on the head gonna be okay?" And Judo turns to her and he's like, "That guy wouldn't die if you killed him," <laughs> which is like, I it's so good. Like, yeah, we can't kill that dude. I don't know how. <laughs> it, oh my god, I I wrote it in all caps. I was very excited when I got to that line. It's really good. And the last thing we see is we, we see one. We, obviously, we cut to Gimon, who's like passed out in the junkyard. And, a, and a, one of the pigs that escaped from the Argama is like sniffing him. And of course, my feral boy is on, rolls up, grabs the pig and like walks away with the pig on his shoulder. Yeah, he just grabs it by the back legs, throws it over his shoulder. He's like, all right, I'm gone. God, it's a oh, oh, oh. oh, good episode. I had, I really like this one. Uh, it was it was really, really fun. I feel like that is a way to describe Jared from Zeta. He wouldn't die if you killed him. <laughs> you I mean, he did, throw... but maybe he shouldn't have. Yeah, I mean, they did throw him down a mountain at one point. He was fine, so. Like, the <laughs> fact that he, he survived being pushed down Mount Kilimanjaro. I know it's not a very steep mountain, but it's the comedy. You can't beat it. <laughs> all right. Well, Jake, shall we move on to our second episode? All right. All right. Episode eight of Gundam Double Zeta. The funeral bell tolls twice. Kind of a sad name this week. Yeah, it's a little somber. It's a little somber. Um, in this episode, the soldiers of the Endra are honoring their dead. Mashbur doesn't understand why, and he orders them to continue working aboard the ship. The Argama gets a signal that the Junk Dealers Union is convening since they have captured Shimada for aiding the Argama. Judo and Rue set off to rescue him, but the Endra shows up as well, firing on the Zeta and sending everyone into a panic. Rue escapes with Chimater, and Judo has to fight both Gemon and Yuzan in their Gezes. Yuzan accidentally triggers the escape flare, prompting the Argama to launch and head towards the colony hatch, although they don't know it isn't open. The Endra and the Gezes are chasing the Argama, pushing them into a corner until Rue and Chimater actually open the hatch for them. Judo kills? Question mark? Gemon and destroys Yuzan's Geze, disabling the Endra in the process. All the enemies retreat, and the Argama once again returns to space. Finally, Mashmer leads a second funeral for both the Zeon soldiers and the colony citizens, understanding Haman's words to him. Another good one! Another good one! This one, I I like... It, 
it's cool, right? I like that we see more Geze action. It's not as like silly, goofy the first time. Now it's like, okay, and this is what a Geze is like in a real fight. Kind of. Kind of. Kind of. Kind of. Uh, this one starts out. First of all, the soundtrack in the show is good because we get like this really sick, like slap bass symphonic track. It's a bit too funky for a funeral, but like it's it's kind of a bop. You know, it just uh, <clears throat> it depends on the person you're having the funeral for. Some people would appreciate the funkiness. That's true. I would. <laughs> I don't ever plan on dying, though. So who can possibly say? Not going to happen. Um, not going to happen. So, yeah, they bury the Gaza Storm team. Everyone's really, really sad about it. They, like, toll the funeral bell so their souls will be at peace. And, like, Mashmur sort of, like, comes down on this little, like, hover lift thing. And he just doesn't get it, right? He's yelling the soul. He's, like, trying to yell over the sound of the bell to Gotten that, like, they should be building the new suits instead of this. And Gotten has to, like, explain to him that in the Earth Sphere they honor their dead like this. And then we get the most deranged cutaway because it's not a cutaway to Haman herself. But upon hearing this, uh, Mashmer says, what, the memorial satellite that Lady Haman is making isn't good enough for them? And we just, like, get a cut over to, like, one of the Xeon ships and this gigantic, like, Christian cross floating in space. It is absolutely wild. It's really ugly, too. It's, yeah, the proportions are all wrong. It looks like the kind of thing you'd put on a table, almost. Like, it has (laughs) a base to it. But, like, look... Look, people like to point at Evangelion for like Christian imagery. Nuh-uh. Zeta Gundam did it first like <laughs> 10 we years go. earlier. God, it's it's it is wild. And and this is, you know, Haman has become Catholic is the joke here <laughs> that I like to say. Good for her. But he's he's upset because the argument could be escaping right now. Mm-hmm. He says, Have you forgotten Lady Haman's words? They say the best gift for the dead is vengeance. Man, well, people people are saying this. Many are saying. And, of course, the soldiers cry harder when he says this. And he demands they stop the funeral and uh, prepare to launch the injury. Yeah, it's like, bro, I mean, I know he doesn't get it. And he'd like, he gets the turn in this episode, so it doesn't, it's not like the whole thing if he never understands Earth customs. But it's like, come on, man, their friends died. Give it a break. Just chill out a little bit. Yeah, just like, like be cool. Be cool for once in your life, Mashmer. Um, so, uh, they, they fly off. We cut over. The gang is working on the Argama. And they end up seeing the, like see this red signal flare in the sky. And they think that means that the hatch is open at first. But Rue shows up and L shows up. And they're like, yeah, a blue flare means that the hatch is open. A red flare means that the junk traders are convening. And they find out that basically like they're going to put Shmatter on trial because he's the one who is like, you know, they figured out he's helping the Argama and they got to, I guess, execute him? Question mark. Yeah. Um, also, can I say... How weird it is to have a flare signal for hey the junk dealers are talking with each other. Yeah, right. I guess <laughs> I guess like Colony Ten's a boring place inside one. I guess that the only flares they need are one if if like an important ship is escaping or two if they're gonna like publicly execute someone. It's like medieval times where like you know the only forms of entertainment were basically like watching a dude die. <laughs> um, I'm glad these kids are leaving Shangri-La I feel like this is a bad influence on them Yeah, it might not be the best environment Yeah And of course we cut over We see Gamon who is talking He's standing on top of this like It looks like a sand crawler that the Jawas use in Star Wars Kind of It's really like, weird just like a, It's like a big box on treads It's really like unclear what it is But he's standing in front of two Gezes One is his, the gray You know, the two-tone gray And the other is this nice, like, two-tone red and very dark red. And we'll learn who's who's that is. But, like, it's cool that, you know, 
I like to see multiple paint jobs on a ship. Heck yeah. I dig it. I'm happy about it. And uh, so Gamon is, uh, he's got like a little megaphone. He's saying that the, the junk union must stand together as one. He said, he said, we got this guy here who told us to open the hatch for an outside ship. When is the last time an outside ship has ever done us any good? And everybody's like, yeah, yeah. 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 Fuck the outside ship. And as is, the, the, the whole time, Yazan is roasting the pig from the last episode. <laughs> and uh, he's sitting next to Chimatter, who is tied up to like a ladder on the side of the little sand crawler thing. And uh, <clears throat> Yazan offers uh, Chimatter yeah. some of the pork. And uh, when he says, no thanks, I'm a vegetarian, Yazan spits <laughs> a bone at him and just starts bullying him and like messing with his head. Yeah, not cool, dude. <laughs> That's rude. Yeah. You can't do that. Come on, man. Ugh, so rude. Like, it's like, no, I don't want any pork. <laughs> what? You think you think you're better than me, huh? It's like, bro, how, how dare you, bro? And then he like look, he's like searching. I guess he's like searching Chimater's pants or something. It's not as like <laughs> funny as it sounds. Not like a funny. Uh oh, a dude searching other dude's pants. I'm glad they didn't go that route. But he finds a flare, and Chimater's like, it's a bomb. It's a bomb. Don't do it. It's gonna go boom. Big explosion. Pow. Boom. Pow. And Yazan is like, I, this isn't a bomb, dog. He figures out it's a flare, and he like just like takes it. And by the way, at this point, until basically the end of the episode, Yazan will have a pig leg in his mouth the entire time. Don't forget this. Oh, yeah. Like, he has an entire ass, like, turkey leg looking pig leg that he just like keeps in his mouth. And he can talk like normal the whole time he has it. It's just his accessory now. It's, it's, it's his held item. He has leftovers. He heals an eighth of his health every turn. Perfect little rat boy. I love him. I love him. And... Then the are the Endra is like floating overhead because like Rue has you know traveled over to this meeting and Judah has as well in the Zeta and the Endra like sees the Zeta sort of like nuzzled nestled within this like mountain of junk and they're like yo we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna shoot it we're gonna blow it up it's gonna be really sick it's gonna be really cool dude and and then something weird <laughs> and confusing happens yeah Meshmer has a flashback. Of Haman telling him to hold honorable funerals for his soldiers. And I'm just like, did you forget that earlier, bud? Like, she told you about funerals. It's weird that this is when we get the flashback. I feel like, I mean, I I guess it has to happen in the middle of the episode. Because it ha- can't happen the first time he sees a funeral, but it has to happen by the second time he sees the funeral. But, like, it's weird that this... It, it gets they tie it in, in that, you know, it talks about how they need the funeral... But it also is like, you know, you need to lift their spirits with vengeance. So I guess this is his vengeance. This is what's going to cheer everyone up by firing into a mountain of trash to blow up the Zeta and like making everyone freak the hell out around him. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever works, right? Yeah, I guess so. And Rue gets in her core fighter. Judah like runs off to rescue Chimater. Um, Yazan and Gemmon start like basically like wrestling, arguing. But like they, they, you know, they're kind of on the same team because Yazan... And Gamon built another Geze for Yazan. So, so the Yazan is has his Geze now, which is like a bit of a downgrade from the Hambrabi and Zeta, but like is I the boy needs a robot somehow, right? Yeah. And he still has that pig leg in his mouth. I love it. <laughs> and uh <clears throat> Gamon tells him to attack the Indra, and Yazan is like, no, that's not the Argama. I don't want to fight that. And Gamon says <laughs> you uh, must I'm sorry, you must have misspoke. <laughs> you said you do any work as long as I fed you. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's, oh, God, he's doing this whole thing just for, like, food, basically. It's great. 
I mean, not great, but, you know. <laughs> While they're fighting, they notice Judo uh, untying Chimatter. And mm-hmm. Yasan's like, you work with the Argama now? And Judo's like, you're still alive? Yeah, you're not dead yet, dude. You've died like five times. And then Yazan chases after Judo, and Judo needs him in the crotch. Mm-hmm. And uh, Yazan still's got a hold of him. And uh, Rue flies past and spooks him enough that uh, he lets go of Judo. And so he and Schmatter just run away. Yeah, he runs away, and like, I guess Yazan runs off to get in his geze. And, you know, everyone says it's a whole it's a whole thing. They're all arguing, but like, I, I think at some point, Judo gets Schmatter to Rue's core fighter. Mm-hmm. And, and they have to fly off because, you know, the Argon is launching and then Judo has to run to get in the Zeta. So it's like Judo in his Zeta against these two. Um, or I, I guess like right now he's like not even in the Zeta, I think. It's just these two Gezes chasing Judo down. And, and uh, at some point in this struggle, Yazan steps on the flare. And like th- that's what like the reason what got the Argon to launch. Because like, you know, they think they had to open right now. So it's like a whole it's a whole thing. It's a, you know, everyone's like freaking out. Um at some point, Judo does get in the Zeta. Of course, he has to, because, you know, everything. this is when everything p- totally pops off. <laughs> um, and Rue is like, ha- Rue has to fly out through a, like, car tunnel, essentially. Like, this, not small, but it's not that big either. But, like, she's able to get in pretty easy with the core fighter. And Yazan and, um, before they go after Judo, Yazan and Gemon are chasing her in their gezes, and like Yazan chucks a piece of metal and he misses the the frame of the tunnel, and like Gemon is flying in trying to fit, but he just like clangs against the wall, like you know Wily e. Coyote and Roadrunner just like clangs and like just comically falls over in the geze. Just come on, come on, you gotta know. It's like the eleven foot eight thing. <laughs> and then Yazan's like, uh, "Forget those rats. Let's go after that punk. Let's kill the kid." And uh... <clears throat> we cut back to the Argama mm-hmm. and uh, it's rising out of the trash heap and uh, Lena is talking with Shinta and Kum uh, about how she's really worried for her brother. And they're like, whatever, we're more worried about Fa. And she's like, why? Oh, because she want, she doesn't want to leave the colony, but she's forcing herself to. Yeah, and I guess the, the undertone here is that like she doesn't want to leave because Camille is here and like, you know, she wants Camille, she wants to make sure Camille can like stay safe in the hospital here and like get better. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, good. Like, I, you know, maybe she doesn't, I, it's, it's, Fa wants to fight. And I feel like this isn't even like her mother, you know, the motherly instinct that's been foisted upon her from, um, from, from Zeta Gundam. But it's like, it does feel more like Fa just like truly cares for Camille and wants to make sure he's doing okay, which is why the main reason she wants to hang back. Cause, you know, she's willingly fought the whole time, but, you know, I'm willing to give, the writing the benefit of the doubt in that this is Fa just like, you know, caring for her friend more than anything else. Yeah, she's like, this is my friend and somebody needs to stay here for him. Yeah. Like, we're, we're all going to leave and we're just going to leave him here. Mm-hmm. Somebody needs to be here when he gets better. Exactly. Yeah, he can't wake up alone. Um, God, can you imagine? That would that would be like... Oh my God, that's scary. Yeah. Y'all don't like that. No. Um. So, Judo ends up taking off in the Zeta. Gamon and Yazan are like, they're just like chucking pieces of metal at the Argama, like trying to take it down. Yeah, and they just have they just have these big piles of like metal bars like under under their arm, and they're like grabbing it with one hand and throwing it, and like it's like it's a javelin because they don't have any uh, they don't have any ranged weapons, so they're just like mm-hmm. grabbing up piles of trash. I love it. Like, I feel like they could be throwing more at once because they both have four arms in their gezes, but I don't know. Maybe they only have two now because they had the repair. Oh, maybe. 
Um, but yeah, Judo ends up being able to tell the Argama that like, yeah, the flare is an accident. The hatch is not open, but like, there's really nothing they can do about it because they've started moving. They're in battle. So at this point, the Argama starts to like turn around and the Ender is chasing the Argama the whole time too. Right. And they've like, they're like, oh, the armor is turning around. Like, what could this possibly mean? And Judo starts firing on the Gezes and like, he, he knocks Gamon down to the ground and like fires on him. And like, Gamon's Geze straight up explodes. Like, is this fool dead? Even if you kill him, he can't die. So that's yeah. I guess even if he dies, he's not dead. He's dead, but he's fine. But like again, his robot very much did like super explode, and like it makes a note of seeing it explode. Maybe he's dead. I wouldn't be. I mean, I don't know if it matters if he dies or not, right? Like, because certainly Judas killed, right? He like he's killed three people in the last episode, so this isn't his first death that he's you know caused. But like, I don't know. Does it really count? It's Gemon. <laughs> kind of sucks. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I fully expect to see him back eventually, just because of that. Even if you kill him, he can't. He doesn't die. Line right. He'll be like Cyber Gemon. Oh my god! They'll, in a couple of years, they'll end up making Triple Zeta, and like he'll be the main villain. Oh my god! I want this. Yeah. <laughs> tm 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 tm. Pay me sunrise. Um, and and then the next scene is what I was talking about earlier, where uh, Yazan is like talking with uh, Judo like via radio against each other. And, like, he's really, really pissed, right? Because he was once a titan. He had everything, but now he's forced to live in misery, groveling and pretending to be a junk trader. He doesn't even, like, you know, he has to work for food and work for Gemon and, you know, just, like, live his awful life. And, like, he doesn't realize that Judo is not the Zeta pilot from the Grips conflict. Like, he just, you know, Yazan just sees the Zeta and he's like, ah, it's the robot that's caused me all these problems. But he doesn't realize it's, like, you know, it was Camille that took Yazan down, not, not Judo. Yeah, so he's yelling at him and he's like, it's all your fault. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he says, this is, don't be stupid, bro. I'm just a teen. He says, don't don't play stupid. I know, I know that you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And then we cut over because Rue and Shimater actually did end up opening the hatch because we see them in the like you know the control room and like all of the dudes there are like tied up and like you know tape over their mouths and like knocked out and it's like, damn. Okay, I want to see what happened there. Yeah, and Shimater's like. Throwing his jacket over his shoulder with one hand. He's got a gun in the other hand. He's being very cool. Pretty cool. And I was like, oh, Secret Agent Schmatter. Okay. Okay. I dig it. Like, it's like some James Bond stuff. Da-da-da. <laughs> so now, so the Argama is like fully reversed. Like, you know, they spun around 180 degrees. It's like, it's called the Xbox 360 because you spin your Argama around 360 <laughs> degrees. And... But now that the uh, the hatch is open, they basically start reversing into the hole. And Yazan, at this point, is like grabs the Zeta and he's like flying upward, rocketing. He's basically gonna like ram him into the Argama because you know that's gonna like basically stop everything from happening. It'll probably kill Judah. It'll probably blow up the Argama. It'll be pretty good for Yazan. I'm sure he'd be happy about it. He'll get his revenge. Yeah. And uh, then Judo transforms the last possible minute and escapes the grapple. And he's like, "This is my secret body changing technique, Dorito mode." And he uh, he shoots at Yuzan and uh, <clears throat> and flies away. And then it's sick, yeah. And then uh, once the Argama is fully in the hatch, uh, Mashmer orders the injured to fire because it'll lessen the damage to the main body of the colony. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Judo drops the Gize on the injured's cannon and just it's busted. 
Yeah, it's it's like it's a cool he you know, he like shoots through the Geze and like disables it and like he chucks it down out of the particle cannon and like we see Yazan escape in time, like he like, you know, uses his poncho as a parachute, so Yazan's totally fine, but like, you know, the 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 uh the Geze is crashed onto the entrance cannon, so they can't fire, which means the Argama's able to hit it with their own particle cannon. But like Judo's like right in the way. He's like flying around because he can't control the Zeta when it's in Dorito mode. He like can't make it go back to normal. He's like freaking out and wrestling with the controls the whole time. Oh, and then Mashmer is like, uh, <clears throat> he's like, fine, I'm going to launch in the Hamahama. Hamahama. Hamahama, Hamahama. He can't though. It's not complete yet, unfortunately. And uh, then the the Mega Particle Cannon from the Argama hits the Indra and fucks it up real bad. Oh yeah, it's like it's like it's like a shotgun blast. It's pretty cool. Oh, it was neat. It was a laser shotgun. I I was very in awe of that animation. Yeah, and this is like you know fully forces the Ender to retreat to fly off to you know live another day. And Judah like finally figures out he's like he's like I'm a new type. I can do this. And he like ends up transforming the Zeta and like flies back. Like he like squeaks right through the hats just as it you know just as it closes and he lands back on the Argama and. And, like, you know, every, so they've escaped. They're, like, you know, floating into space. Um, Judah, everyone's congratulating Judo on, like, a job well done. And, like, Bright goes to shake his hand. And Judo, like, walks past him. And he's like, where's Rue? Where's my girlfriend? He doesn't say that. But it's like, you know, I can see the seeds being sown and I don't like it. Yeah. And uh, Bright's like, his his, his uh, pride is hurt a little bit by the mm-hmm. total dodging of the handshake. Yeah. But uh, he's like, she's right over there leading us to the lobby and Rose. Judo, Judo is kind of mad. He's like, wait, so we're going into space now? Yeah, it's like he didn't fully realize it or something. And so he, he tries to argue um, one last time about needing to stay on the colony. Um, but it's a really weak argument. And Lena um, like kind of says, ah, but I think you should stay on the ship. And he doesn't really fight it this time after that. Yeah, he's like, you know, what about school? And Lena's like, I guess you better study on the ship because we're like already in space. And they look over as, like, you know, the final hatch door opens up. And it's like, yeah, they're in space. It's pretty cool. It's exciting. Goodbye, Colony 10. Um, And the final scene here after we see this is it's back in the, like, sort of graveyard little area that the Xeon people had set up. And now Mashmir is, like, honoring the dead, you know, praying in front of the graves. There's, like, a big old grave for, like, all the civilians of the colony as well. And one of the soldiers comes up and, like, he's like, we found this bone inside the cockpit of the mobile suit that landed on the ship. And Mashmer smells like he's like a pig bone. Throw it in there. We have to honor all of the colonists. <laughs> and like, and then Mashmer starts to cry as the bell tolls again. And that's two. Yeah. And like the final thing we hear is that the Hamaham is complete. And we see like, you know, the silt, like Mashmer is only his eyes floating over like the Argama leaving the colony in space. It's like, oh, ah, scary last shot. And he's like, you better watch out, Argama. Hamahama time. <laughs> that's what MC Hammer said. MC Hama, sorry. <laughs> Stupid. Oh, it's Hama Stupid time. Show. It's <laughs> stop. Hama time. Um <laughs> next episode? Alright, episode nine. <laughs> Judo in space. In space, the Argama flies through an asteroid field, searching for Lavi and Rose, with the injured close behind. Aboard the Argama, Bicha and Mondo decide to recruit Eno and have him send out a strong radio signal so the injured can find the Argama granting them a bounty that they can use to buy a mobile suit and return to normal life on Shangri-La. Eno refuses, but the radio signal is detected anyway. Mashmer flies out in the Hamahama with a squad of Gaza Seas, and Ruru Luka is captured by them, but pretends to be a civilian. Glimmy Toto, a Xeon pilot, takes her back to the Indra, 
Judo has to fight Mashmer and his squad all by himself, but turns the tides thanks to the clever use of dummy asteroids. Meanwhile, Rue convinces Glimmy to take her back to the colony, but she uses this opportunity to break free and assist Judo, who cuts off the Hamahama's arm, forcing it to escape along with Glimmy. Finally, after the battle, the Argma t makes it to Lovey and Rose. Space time! Woo! This one? I God, the Hamaham is crazy. We'll talk about that when that time comes. But this is like this is another really good one. This is just like a good batch episode we had this week. I think. Yeah, people, people, people told me not to watch this stuff. Can you believe it? People were fools. This is exactly what I was thinking too. As I was watching, I was like, these episodes whip. What are you talking about? Like, oh, uh, it's a shift in tone. Yeah, whatever, man. Uh, they, they just were sad because they couldn't simp as hard as Mashmer can. <laughs> So yeah, this one starts, we see the Endra, it's like following the Argama, and the Argama is currently in an asteroid field searching for Levios, and like, you know, Rue Luca is the one flying out in the core fighter, like, doing recon, but like, she basically can't really find it either. And she says this because of all the debris, but everybody on the bridge yeah. is like, she's lost. She, yeah, she's super lost and like, is too prideful to say anything, but you know, they're not gonna, they're not gonna say anything to her, that'd be rude. And, of course, we see Bicha and Mondo slacking off on the bridge. And, like, Bicha has, this, like, a Sony Walkman, basically. And Bright pulls it off his head. And he's listening to the opening. He's listening to Anime Janai. Oh, my God. I, I, I got so happy at that. I I clapped a little bit. Like, I was... Ah. I, I, I love when shows do that, when they remix the opening into, like, you know, the soundtrack of the show. But this is, like, this, the soundtrack of the show, the opening is actually diegetic and is, like, what they listen to within the actual show. It's like, oh, I like that. It's layers. That's fun. Hell, yeah. I was gonna say, and Bright chews them out, of course. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Shinta and Kum come running onto the bridge to show Bright some weird rock thing. But he says it's too big and sends them away. And then he's like, what happened to my ship? Yeah, like, he's like, like, my god. Like, bro, like, it hasn't been running around with kids since 0079. Like, yeah, like, the ship is the same ship it's always been since, like, you've been on the white base. Like, what are you talking about? He would just rather be, like, working with a bunch of stuffy old Federation people. He would. He would. He just wants the, he wants, he wants order and, and, and structure. Yeah. Stupid bright. And we cut to the hangar. Fa's, like, looking at the methods, and she asks one of the mechanics about it. And they're like, yeah, we're not going to repair it. And she's all sad about that. He's like, it'll still fly. It'll still, it, it, it has the upper half. What more could you want? It's like the Zeong. <laughs> and and now we learn what the weird rock was. I was like, because I, I didn't, you know, I didn't think that we'd get, you know, the payoff of that so quickly. But like the orphans run up to Fa and they show her it's a dummy asteroid. And now we get to see the balloon machine. That is so cool. Like, I, I want one of these for myself. I don't know what I would do oh with it, gosh. but I want one. I'd make big minions. That's all I need. There you go. It, it the whole the whole thing. This whole scene is an explanation on how the dummies work. It's like basically a machine. I guess you can program whatever. It like basically prints it out, and you know you can blow it up, or if you throw it out into space, it'll expand to fifty times its size. So they print out a piece that like looks like you know part of a colony, like a curved piece of metal, and it and like you know astronauts like yo check us out, and he like puts it in a little like laundry chute, and it you know gets pushed out into space and like expands. It's like ah oh, so cool. I love how, and like, this is important. This is Chekhov's uh, balloon machine, because this is like, has a payoff at the end of this episode. Like, in the middle of this episode, even. And Asinaj and Torres are so excited about this. They're like, they're like kids showing off their newest toy. Me too. I'm excited about it. It made me, it made me really happy just to see them like, so like, yeah, dude, no, Judo, check this out. It's so mm -hmm. cool. I, I love that we know how dummies work now. It's great. Then Lena calls everybody up for room assignments. Because they've mm -hmm. been assigned to rooms on the on the Argamanel. 
And while everybody's looking at their room assignments, Beach and Mondo sneak up and like kind of grab Eno. They're like, "Hey, come with us." Yeah, and 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 they take him. They 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 take him to like the radio room, right? Because their scheme, because like you know they had already snuck off the bridge before, so they've been sneaking around, you know, being little stinkers. Their plan is essentially to like have Eno, because he's the radio guy, I guess. Have him send a big enough radio signal that the Endric can detect it, so they can capture the Argama. And so that Beach and Mondo and Eno and the kids can, like, take the bounty on it. They'll be like, yeah, you know, asking for a reward for capturing the ship they've been going after for the last couple weeks. Buy a mobile suit, go home, just hang out, live the life of luxury. And Eno's like, no! Absolutely not! That's not cool! That's not cool! These are our friends now. These are our friends! And, of course, thankfully, this was interrupted by Fa. And you can tell Eno wants to tell Fa, but like he get and, and but but Beach is like Eno, what are you doing? Come on, man! So he's like kind of like pulled off to the side. So Eno's very conflicted about this. Like he wants to tell people that like Beach and Mondo. And and to be clear, I don't think Beach and Mondo are like doing this maliciously. I don't think they're like you know. I think they're just like not really thinking things through, and I think they're like just trying to go back to the comfort that they already know. Like they just want to return to their normal lives, and they're not really. I don't think they're thinking about the consequences of that. Like, I, I don't think they're wrong for wanting to do that, of course. Like, you know, they're kids. They shouldn't be embroiled in this war. But also, I feel like it's like, you know, they're not really considering, you know, what would happen otherwise. Because at this point, Mashmers, I feel like, is definitely out for blood. Oh, absolutely. And so, it, yeah. And they're uh, they're being like a very neutral party on this. Like, we don't care about you. We don't care about them. We just want to go home. Yeah. it's. I mean, like, you know, I... I, I, I'm neither handing it to them, nor am I not handing it to them. I'm simply handing. <laughs> uh, one thing Bro, that, I am just handing. One thing that we forgot to mention uh, real quick mm. before Fa, uh, before Fa showed up, they uh, they hit the button for just a split second to like start sending out a radio yes. uh, signal. But then Fa showed up and he put took his hand off there. Yeah, because um, the Endra does pick up the signal, as we see we cut over. And, and of course, like, Mashmer picks up on it, what's happening right away. He's like, ah, oh, there must be a traitor aboard. And then he, God, God, another Slumdog Millionaire flashback. <laughs> this one's a doozy. Buckle up. He flashes back. He hears Haman tell him to, like, gain the trust of everyone around him, showing show them the kindness and sympathy of a commander. But the whole time, he's blushing like crazy because she's wearing this, like, white dress. And he's like, you can see his eyes darting up and down because, like, the whole time he's just staring at her badonka honkaroos. They're kind of showing a little bit, and he's like, ah, oh. yeah, <laughs> boy, yo, 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 lady, come on, look at your bazongas, hey, 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 Auga. <laughs> he says, hama, hama, indeed. <laughs> and yeah, it's it, come on, dude, come on. I mean, I know she's a year older than you, but like, actually, no, you know what? He's nineteen, she's twenty. This is abs- This is the most on-brand thing there really is, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, this yeah, this this, this whole thing checks actually. This, this checks out, um, and of course, because of this flashback, he decides to finally go out in the Hamahama. It's completed. This thing, oh boy, Jake, this thing is nuts. Oh, it is so sick. Would you, Would you like to describe it for us? Uh, let me pull up a picture real quick. It is big and green and spiky and beautiful. It's hard to describe. Almost, it's very busy. So it's this big green. Uh, big green suit. It's got mm-hmm. uh, a bunch of like sp- spikes coming off of its head. Big old huge shoulder pauldrons. It's got uh, like those tubes that the that the Zaku's have coming off its like face. It's got them on it its does. side. It's got uh, 
its arms kind of look like that too a little bit. We'll f- maybe figure out why here in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very like uh, I'd almost say it's like very angular, very kind of polygonal a little bit. Like it's just like it, like if you were to look at it, definitely is a lot more angular than what we've seen so far. I think if you were to look at it, like you could see like how they could easily make this suit like in a uh, 3D engine because it's like just all flat surfaces and um oh and I, I'm looking here and it's got like a nice pink belly button ring <laughs> it does have a belly button ring it's I really like it it's like the, the green is this nice two-tone it's like a lighter green and like a darker green on like the sort of like binders um a ton of verniers like on each shoulder alone there are eight verniers um like all all in the sort of like slots of of the shoulder pads and they're like a bright red that looks really nice with the green yeah you know it, it you look at the colors on paper bright like light green dark green pink yellow red you'd think it'd be busy but and it is but it works for it because everything is so much of an accent i dig it um very very top heavy suit oh absolutely like, the the uh giant they almost look ruffled the 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 shoulder binders to the point where it looks like it's like almost wearing like a ballerina outfit like a tutu both on the waist and on the shoulders oh yeah a lot going on but like this thing this thing is really really sick looking i love it it's it's the exact kind of like ugly overdesigned suit that i love (laughs) i i look at it and i say hama 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 indeed um It'll be God. I can't. I can't wait for our robot rankings, Jake. Z- Double Zeta is just so crazy with it. Oh, there's been nothing but good suits so far. I know it's gonna be so hard to like rank things low. <laughs> maybe maybe they'll get bad later on, but I'm sure they won't. Um, he goes out in the Hamahama, and but before he does, he's like getting in the cockpit, and every single soldier in the hangar in unison like pledges to him. And, like, it immediately moves him to tears, and, and he's like, oh, I'll, I'll let you do whatever you want. You are such good soldiers. You're all true knights. It's just, like, I love how easily manipulable he is. Oh, he's, he just mentioned honor, and he's like, yes! He's so stupid. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. I feel like I, Hamahama's my note so often, it's, like, so hard to find which Hamahama I'm looking at. <laughs> I, wrote, um, I wrote Hama squared eventually. I, yeah, yeah. I was going to start typing just Hama, but I would definitely start calling it only the Hama, and that would be very confusing because Hama and Haman. Um, they're all flying out, the Hama Hama and the Gaza Seas. And we see a guy, and I feel like this guy is important. I didn't think he was important at first because the very first thing he says, he's a blonde guy like me, and he's like, he's, you know, speaking to himself, he's like talking to his mom and dad in his head. He's like, I'm, I'm going to be in a real battle. Are you watching? Like, I'm like, oh, this guy's going to die. Yeah. But then we get his name, which means he's probably important. Um, but he's distracted as he's flying. He's so excited. He nearly runs into the Hamahama's fat ass. And, <laughs> and Mashmer is like, are any of these guys paying attention right now? As he's like flying and looking back. It's a cute little scene. And then, uh, and then after that, we see the uh, Rue notices that the Arguma isn't behind her anymore. And she's, she's pretty annoyed. And she looks ahead and she sees some, some twinkling. She's like, oh, I found the Levian Rose. But actually... It is a bunch of mobile suits, and one of which mm. she doesn't recognize. Some big yeah. green guy. Mmm, green man. It's a creeper. <laughs> uh, they quickly spot her and surround her, and she pretends to just be like a, a civilian who was training on how to fly this thing, and she got lost. Simply lost, that's all. She's really good at playing up the I'm a 
you know, I'm a young, helpless girl. Good, good for her for knowing how that works well on people, you know? Like, she's playing dumb. She's doing, like, like you know, winking and doing the peace sign. It's like, uh-huh. <laughs> and, and like, and Mashmer looks at her and he's like, oh, she's just a young girl. She is a year younger than Mashmer is. She's 18. Mashmer is 19. I like, was wondering about that. I forgot their exact ages, but, like, yeah, I was kind of wondering about that. I try not to remember that Mashmer is only 19 years old. That's, that's wild. It is batshit. Um, but... He tells the blonde kid, yeah, the blonde kid, Glemmy Toto, to take her back to the Endra. So now that we have a first and last name, I realize this blonde kid's probably more important than a guy who will get killed by thinking he's, you know, excited to be in battle. <laughs> and he, he kind of complains about having to bring her back. He's like, but but a first battle is like a birthday for our for us rookie pilots. Yeah. It's like he I, I like that. That's that's cute. Yeah, I was like, oh buddy. Ah, oh, buddy, he'd rather fight. But then he's like, oh, is this what all the girls in Earthsphere are like? They fall in love with you at first sight. This this rules, dude. They got pizza here. They got girls. What more could you want? And then on the Argama, we're cutting over. It's like battle stations. Everyone's like wondering what the hell's going on. Because like, you know, Eno's about to talk to Bright. And then, of course, we get the radio that like the suits are about to arrive. And Eno's like trying to tell Bright the whole time what happened. Like Bright's just completely ignoring him. He's not listening. And then he like goes over to Judo, and Judo's already in his normal suit. And the Judo like sort of, like pushes him away. He's like, "Get in your normal suit, dog. We got to fight." So poor Eno. No one's listening to Eno. One like equals one respect for Eno. Very few left. <laughs> uh, so Judo jumps into the Zeta, and he he radios to the bridge and asks how many enemies there are. They're like, "We don't know." Like he's like, "Okay, are you going to deploy any other suits?" We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so he says, "Screw this. I'm leaving." Yeah. He's like, he doesn't. Good for him. Stand up for himself, right? Don't throw your life away for a battle of it you don't even know about. And um, Bright calls Astonage. He's like, get him back in the cockpit. Flatter him. Tell him he's a new type. He likes that. Just get him back in there and send the boy to die. Yeah. I And I I love how on the nose they are about feeding into, like, Judo's new type uh, aspirations. Because, of course, Astonage tells him this. And, and Judo's like, you're just buttering me up. <laughs> and because you know he he realizes that they're doing it and of course astonage ends up convincing him by saying like you know do it so your friends don't die your sister's on this ship and he's like all right fucking fine fine i'll do it and he, good for him he he grumpily walks out to the catapult he grabs his rifle um and, but that's all he grabs yeah he forgets to grab the battery pack you know the kind of thing that allows you to shoot more than twice <laughs> and uh you know, just kind of sadly wandering around the halls looking for someone to tell his deep, dark secrets to. And uh, he gets yelled at by uh, some nameless man to go uh, man a gun. Yeah, he's give like, this man a weapon. He's like, okay, fine. Fine, I'll paint. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's he's out fighting. He shoots twice, and then he's out of energy. And he's like, he can't really fight as well in space. Because, like, he tries to brace himself for impact, but, of course, you know, he's floating in space. He can't brace on anything, so he kind of floats around a bit. Um, but then he remembers that he has all these dummies that the Zeta's, like, chock full of. So he he tosses his rifle at uh, at Mashmir to, like, distract him, and he zips away. And he just starts shooting out dummy asteroids behind himself as he flies. And, like, a- as he's doing this, we do cut over to the Endra, and, like, Glemmy's investigating the core fighter that Rue was in. And, like, you know, Rue has this, like, tiny little, like, uh, it's like a little patch that goes over her eye that, like, you know, she's scanning stuff inside the ship. 
And Glemmy's like, this is like, these are pretty high-tech engines. Like, these are real guns. And like, Rue breaks into tears. She's like, I, did, I, I didn't know. I want to go home, see my mom and dad. I'm so scared. <laughs> I, I like Rue. I like that she knows how to, like, manipulate people like that. He, she's great. It's girl power. And, of course, like, you know, this convinces Glummy to, like, start taking her back to the colony. Like, she says she's from Colony 15. Um, So he's, like, you know, grabs her and he starts to fly. Yeah, because he, by the way, he, like, is, like, holding the core fighter. So Rue can't, like, really fly off the whole time Um, in in, in his Gaza Sea. So he flies back out. Um. And, of course, Judo's plan with the dummies has worked. He's thrown out so many of them that the Gazas assume all of the asteroids are dummies and they just start straight up running into real asteroids and blowing up and dying. <laughs> and, he, and he takes out three of the four Gazas with this tactic. Yeah, like, he, it works real good. And uh, <laughs> Mashmir uh, yells at him and calls him a coward for using this. And he Judo claps back. He's like, isn't fighting five-on-one also cowardly? Yeah, and Matcher's like, oh, well, now it's my one, so it's fair. Don't worry about it, homie. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And and for some reason, on Glemmy's route back to Colony 15, he flies by this battle, and Rue sees this, and she's like, oh, thanks, dude. And she, like, blasts out of, of Glemmy's grip. And, you know, she she buzzes Mashmer, she buzzes Glemmy. She, like, shoots Glemmy with the machine guns a little bit. And, like, you know, th- this distracts Mashmer, allows Judah to, like, kind of escape. And she flies back to check on Glemmy because, you know, she shot at him. And he's like, the fuck you do that for? And she's like, you know, I just, I'm flying back. I just wanted to make sure that you're doing okay. So now she's sort of like planted this seed of like doubt in Glemmy, I guess. Because he's like, he doesn't know if he wants to fly off and protect Rue that he's fallen in love with, I guess. Or fly off and protect Mashmer, who he's, you know, pledged to as his commanding officer. It's interesting. I want to see where it goes. Um, and so he does actually see Mashmer um, about to like ch- or start chasing after Rue, and he tries mm-hmm. to warn her, which is uh, interesting yeah, to see. So it's like, huh, the manipulable soldier who might end up with the good guys. Hmm. Who can say? Uh, so let's see. In the last, the last part of the battle is pretty cool too, right? Because in the Hamahama is like you know way overtuned compared to the Zeta. Like he really Judo can't really do a whole lot against him, and he's getting his ass kicked. And he, like, lands on an asteroid that he tries to brace against, but he, like, sort of falls onto it. And Mashmir lands on another asteroid, and he, like, starts to fire on it. But, like, the, that asteroid that Mashmir landed on was another dummy, and it pops. And this, you know, distracts Mashmir, shocks him enough for Judo to, like, gra- grab a beam saber and just, like, straight up cut the arm of the Hamahama off. And it's, oh, it's Judo's trick! It was great. And, uh, and then Mashmir is, like... It's like, oh, I'm not wearing a normal suit. I must retreat. Yeah, it's like, if only I was in a normal suit. Because, you know, you got to, what's the word? Oh, yeah, breathe in space. (laughs) Yeah. You got to survive the vacuum of space. Probably important. Who could possibly say? A little bit, you know. A little bit. And this one ends with, they're back on the Argama. Judo is, like, really mad at Rue for not attacking Glemmy more. They're just arguing the whole time. Bright is trying to break them up. And, and, and like, as, cutting back real quick, actually, as Mashmer left, he mentions to Judo that there's a collaborator on board, the Argama. So, like, some people on the white base, or white base, jeez. Some (laughs) people on the Argama believe that there's a collaborator. Some people think it was Mashmer just, like, fucking with him. So, it's like, you know, tensions are high aboard the ship. Um, And then they they see La Vienne Rose. We don't really see it ourselves, but, like, we get this really long vertical pan in space. And we see this, like, orange light near the top of the shot, which I guess is the La Vienne Rose. Love you, Wolves. So we're like, ooh, um, next time. Next time, yeah. God, I want to get resupplied. I want to see, want to see my big boy friend. I really. By, by the way, um, 
and I know we haven't seen um, the titular Gundam Double Zeta yet, but the theme of Double Zeta is what I've been using as their episode summary theme. That really weird, like, string arpeggio, which is like, oh, it's I, the show, show soundtrack is really, really good. It is very good. I, I wish there was, like, an easier way to listen to all of it, because, like, every reflection on YouTube is totally incomplete, unfortunately. Damn, that's disappointing. Very, very sad. I hate to see it. Um, those are episodes, though. I think, I dare say, our best batch yet. Um, you know, I think that, I think that you're right. I think that, uh, you know, the first one was a lot of fun. The second one was really emotional. And the third one was, uh, it was really fun and like setting up a whole lot and very exciting for what's going to happen next. Yeah. The third one feels the most Gundam to me, like the most classic Gundam. Yeah, they're in space. They're in space. What more <laughs> could you need? Uh, well, Jake, I have another fun segment for us today. All right. If you'd like, uh, oh, we're going to go. We're going to go back. I'm going to open my cool old book. We're going to go back into Beyond Toon Worlds. You're going to love this. Trust me. Beyond Toon Because we talked about Judo last week. We talked about Judo's VA. Now we're going to talk about the other main character of Double Zeta, Mashmir Cello. Yes. <laughs> Today we're talking about Kenyu Horiyuchi, Mashmir Cello's VA. He was born July 30th, 1975 in Gotemba, Shizuoka, Japan. Another very sparse biography, but um, he does have his own voice acting company. Um, oh. He, 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 yeah, it's called um, Can You Office, I guess. Yeah, it's called Can You Office. So he, you know, he's, he's well established enough that he has his own management company because this fool, Jake, he has been in so much. It is crazy what this guy has done. Like, less so big important roles, more so just the sheer amount of roles he's done. Okay. Because he he honestly has more work dubbing real life people than anime characters. Right on. Um. So I mean, I'll, I'll go through the anime first. It's this is anime and games mostly, <clears throat> and some like movie dubs. So he 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 started out. Not, Wow, wait. Oh my god, this guy started his career but this can't be right. This no, this can't be right. He said he was born July 7th. Oh, it you know what? I wrote 1975. He was born in 57. Oh. <laughs> I was like, how the hell could he have voiced Mash Marcello when he was 11 years old? No. Nope. <laughs> he was he was 29 when he voiced Mash Marcello. That makes more sense. So, he started out in 1983 with a show called Genesis Climber Mosbeata and he was like a ton of roles in that. So he's like, you know, one of those character one of those um actors who voices everyone, I guess. Um 1985, The Transformers, he was a lot of robots again, but mainly Springer and he would reprise that role as Springer in a lot of future like 80s Transformers series. Is 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 awesome. Of course, 1986, Smash Marcello and Double Zeta. 1987, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, he was Leonardo. Oh shit. Yeah, and he was also Leonardo in the first movie for the Turtles, I believe. Nice. 1988, in The Legend of the Galactic Heroes, he was a character called Anton Ferner. Again, haven't seen that yet. Will one day, maybe for the podcast, who could possibly say? Uh, 1992, Yu Yu Hakusho, he was Hokushin, funny bald. Oh, shit. And again in 1992, Jake, the first of his like insane roles, he was Waldo. 
from the Where's Waldo TV show that exists, apparently. I, that was a... Okay. We found him. He's been in Colony 10 the whole time. I didn't even know that was a thing. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, l- less important that I learned that he played Waldo. More important that I learned that there was a Waldo show. Uh, in St. Seiya, he was Libra, Doko, and he's been that ever since. In 1993, Victory Gundam, Hongerg Ewin, which I believe is the main character's father... If I have my notes about me. 1993, he played Tom in Tom and Jerry in the Tom and Jerry movie. Hell yeah. You see, you, you see the American a new one of those? I did. It looks fun. Oh, I love me some Tom and Jerry. I have such a hot, uh, hot, hot spot. I have such a soft spot for Tom and Jerry. It's just <laughs> like, it's, it's nice fun, you know? Yeah. It's I just, like it a lot. It's just silly. In 1996, Gundam 8th MS team. He was Bone Abbast. Can't wait to see that for the show. That's a good 1998, one. 1998, in Cowboy Bebop, he was Gren. Another insane role in 1998 as well, the Donkey Kong Country TV show. He was Eddie the Mean Old Yeti. Oh, my God. J- j- I, I, j- oh, my gosh. This guy has the range. That's amazing. In, in 1998, he voiced Abe from Oddworld Abe's Odyssey. Oh, shit. Or I guess it was just called Oddworld. It was the first Oddworld, I think, in 1998. In 1998... A game called Air Guys. God bless the ring. He voiced Cloud Strife. You what? You can't. You can't make it up. Yeah. So, so if you don't know about Air Guys, it was a PS One fighting game that the basically the only reason it was important was that you could play as Cloud, Tifa, and Sephiroth before Final Fantasy Seven came out. Oh, really? I think it might have even had a demo for Seven. So that like that's the only reason that game was like popular at all. But like, it's still cool that you can. It's a fighting game where you can play as Cloud, Tifa, and Sephiroth. You know? That's amazing. Yeah. Um. In one pleat, one piece, one piece. He played Kinemon, and of course, he's reprised that role in every game and movie and what have you that's featured the character since. In the year two thousand, Jake in the J- Japanese dub of an extremely goofy movie, he voiced Bradley Uppercrust the <laughs> Third. This is when things get nutty. In the year two thousand, yet again, in the Japanese dub of the Emperor's New Groove, he was Kronk. <laughs> Pour the lever, mash man. <laughs> the poison for judo. Judo's poison. You do that really well. In Metal Gear Solid, the whole franchise, he's Raiden. Oh, snap. Just, you know, our favorite cyborg ninja Raiden. He's been Raiden for the first, his debut, and ever since then, he's been Raiden. In Naruto, and in Naruto Shippuden, Toby Rama, and Pain. Oh. I don't know how he does it. In the J... <laughs> Japanese dub of Cinderella 3 <laughs> and Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. He was Prince Charming. <laughs> okay. I, I, oh, God. In every Dissidia Final Fantasy game, both Dissidia, Duo Decim, and NT, he's uh, Emperor Palamecia from Final Fantasy 2. What? He just. This guy don't stop. Assassin's Creed 3, he was Haytham Kenway. Damn. He was Minoru Aoyama in Yakuza 5. After Professor Oak's voice actor, his classic one, after his classic voice actor passed away, he took up the mantle of Professor Oak starting in Pokemon Sun and Moon. And he also voiced Looker in one of the Pokemon um, Generations, uh, the, the, the sort of like animated clip series they did. So he was Looker in that. He was Silence in Horizon Zero Dawn, the Japanese dub of that. Huh. In... Yakuza Online, he was Masumi Arakawa, but he wasn't Masumi Arakawa for Yakuza 7. I don't get it. And his final game role, 
2019, the greatest JRPG ever made, Dragon Quest XI. He was King Erwin, the main character's father. Oh, snap. I, I, uh, how does he do it? He has the range. That's amazing. And and to top it all off, I'm not going to read off Everrule because it would take literally half an hour to do so because he's voiced a trillion characters in movies. But the main voice act, the, the main actors that he um he he that he like voices over in movies, Clive Owen, Christian Slater, Benjamin Affleck, Brendan Fraser, <gasps> Ben Stiller. Oh my God! Charles Entertainment Sheen. <laughs> and I swear to God, in every in every movie this guy's been in, Jake, he's Brad Pitt. Oh hell yeah! Okay, I I j- I I don't get it. I don't know how he does it. Like any Brad Pitt movie, he's him. I, I whew. he's got the power. Ken Kuriuchi. I am saluting so hard right now. What a hero! What a hero! What a guy! Just absolute legend. The range is impeccable. Yeah, and, and I looked it up on, like, Behind the Voice Actors. I think he ranked around, like, 130th weekly, and that's, like, pretty significant. So, yeah, he's a very popular voice actor. That's amazing. I love this thank, man. Thank you, Horiichi-san. We salute you. Um, wow, I feel like I need to, like, wind down now. Yeah. So, to wind down, we can do our plugs now. Thank you all for tuning in. Jake, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me at MrJakeyPoo on the Twitters.com. And you can also find me on a podcast, Most Foul, where my wife and I are uh, reading through the Artemis Foul books, uh, her for the first time, me rereading them. And you can also find me on um, Hearts Against Balance, a Kingdom Hearts inspired actual play podcast, where I'm playing Shira, or I'm playing Seahawk from Shira. Hell yes! I just about said Shira from Seahawk. Yeah, you know Shira, Shira, uh, star player of the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. Um, well, I'm Max. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, etc. at Maxi Bajillion. I have a couple of other shows, including Pod of Greed, the world's number one and only Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast sponsored by KaibaCorp. That is at Pod of Greed Cast on Twitter, as well as, uh, wow, I like almost said like someone's podcast that isn't even mine, Slappers Only, a video game showdown podcast that we just, <clears throat> excuse me, re- when this episode is out, our episode on Paper Mario the Thousand Year Door will be out. Check out that. That is on Twitter at SlappersOnlyPod or at SlappersOnlyPod.com. And these podcasts and many, many more can be found on the Noise Space Network, NoiseSpace.xyz, made by our friend Matt, who is a living, breathing Nintendo GameCube. You can find these shows as well as KyleXY, PodCube.KyleXY, Special Gate Snacks, Jujutsu Kaisen Podcast, Commercial Radio, a Yakuza Podcast, and many, many, many more. 2021, Year of the Podcast. We love to see it. Hell yeah. My voice is starting to go a little bit. So, well, with with the little time I have left, Jake, I have an important question for you. Yes. What's that robot of the week? I was thinking about this earlier, and I was pondering, who should I choose? What would be the best robot of the week? And you know what stood out to me? Goddard from Jimmy Neutron. His mechanical canine? He's a good boy. He's a good boy. Wow. What a... I feel like I've never thought about Goddard for, like, most of my life, but then, like... He's a pretty good design, you know? He really is. Like, it's a it's a great, like, a great look. He's just a funny dog. Bark, bark. Bark, bark? He has a cool, like, electro-dome brain head. I like his, like, tube legs and arms. It reminds me of, like, the, um, the Zagok from 0079 Gundam. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Wow. Thank you, Goddard. Shout out. Shout out to Goddard. He's, a, he's the best boy. He's a good boy. Wow. Well... 
thank you Goddard. Thank you Yazan. Thank you Gamon, who's dead probably. <laughs> thank you, thank you Gundam. Thank you Judah. Thank you Ruluka. Um, I'm tired now, so that's <laughs> what I always say. <laughs> to close the podcast, in the words of Kenyu Horiuchi, who certainly said it at some point in his life, "War is bad." Wow, cool robot. Anime Janai. Don't forget. That's a that's a that's a warning. Better not forget it. Or else. Or else. Bye. Bye.